This is the Christian Podcast, and these are the Bethany Kids. You guys don't look so young, <laughs> but we were um, kids at some point. <laughs> all right, I I love it. I um, I'm excited to be here, Peter. You live in Canada, right? That's right. That's where yeah. you're Good at in uh, Ontario. That's correct. Yes. Awesome. And David, well, you just told us you're in Kijabi in Kenya, and I'm here in California. It's 6 a.m. in California. <laughs> I had to wake up early, but I'm. Uh, it's so cool. What time is it where you guys are at? Uh, well, for me, it's uh, it's nine o'clock in the morning, so I'm good. But it's like super rainy day, so it's still pretty dark in here. Ah, okay, nine uh, a.m. It's four p.m. here. Four nine. Uh, oh wow! Cloudy. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, there we go. Super international. I'm from Mexico, but I'm here in in California. I've been here for like the last 15 years, and. Um, I'm so interested to talk today about a little bit of what you guys do with Bethany Kids. Um, how is that you know, helping? Maybe some of the challenges that you guys mm. have faced, some of the current challenges. So I think today we can talk all about you know, Bethany Kids. Uh, but first, would you guys, let's start with Peter, just gonna, on my screen, you're on the on the top level <laughs> but let's start with peter tell us a little bit about um you know who you are and what you do mm. uh, um, okay as it relates so, to bethany kids my name is peter lublink and i'm the executive director with bethany kids so i've been working with bethany kids uh for most of this year but i'm relatively new to bethany kids prior to that i lived in the middle east for the last eight years uh where i taught where i helped other ngos and where i pastored a church Uh, and now my work with Bethany Kids is mostly, uh, as the executive director, there's a lot of fundraising, there's a lot of uh, raising awareness, and then uh, managing our various programs in the six different countries in which we work. So we started in Kenya, that's the, the bulk of our work. That is our sort of largest team and most well-developed program. Uh, and then we've also got work in five other countries. So working with each of the surgeons in those countries That's the, the bulk of my day each day. Awesome. What about you, David? What is, um, well, who you are and some of what you do there in Kenya? Okay, I'm, I'm David. Uh, I'm the uh, director for Bethany Kids in Kenya, the country director. I'm responsible for all programs uh, in Kenya. Uh, we have a surgical program here in Kijabi, where I am, a rehab program, uh, two hours from here uh, and we have a team that goes around the country doing follow-up for all the surgeries that we do and we also have a team that goes around uh, providing wheelchair and other assistive devices that's what we do in Kenya awesome well thank yeah. you guys I want to say read a little bit about um, kind of like the, the mission of Bethany Kids that I have here I pulled it from your website and it says Bethany Kids It's a compassionate Christian mission transform, transforming the lives of African children with surgical conditions and disabilities through pediatric surgery, rehabilitation, public education, spiritual ministry, and training health professionals. And then mm -hmm. you have some incredible numbers there, more than 3,000 surgical procedures, 
more than 8,000 rehab sessions and more than 15,000 patients at your clinics, which is massive. Um, I'm so interested to know, uh, first, Peter, I would say first Peter almost sounds biblical, man. <laughs> chapter? That's yeah. it. Which Let's chapter go to would first like? Peter. Yeah, exactly. And uh, after David's gonna write a psalm for us, he's gonna sing something. David, Maybe. yeah, we have it so so biblical today. Um I, I was actually reading Matthew and I was I was a little inspired by what you um we were I think we were emailing back and forth with uh, you and me, Peter. Mm. And then you were saying something like, you know, I think Bethany Kids has been doing amazing work. Um, really, no, for the for the past few years, and really nobody knows about it, you know. Mm. But it's it's massive work. And yeah. I was actually reading Matthew. I was I wasn't reading, and I was listening because I like to you know, have the Bible read to me. Yeah. And I was reading Matthew. Uh, chapter six, and it's just something like this: like be especially careful when you're trying to be good, so that you don't make a performance mm -hmm. out of it. Mm -hmm. uh, but then it says, when you do something for someone else, don't call attention to yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's almost like what you guys been doing <laughs> naturally, <laughs> right? You've been you've been doing the good work. You've been yeah. you no know, helping kids. Um, would you tell me a little bit about that? experience living in the Middle East, what was it about, you know, what, first of all, like, why did, what were you living in the Middle East? You said you were pastor in a church, right. but how, maybe, how is that different than living, you know, in North America or in the uh, West? Yeah, good question. So I, I moved to the Middle East uh, eight years ago, uh, and I have this I had this desire, like hopefully all Christians, to to see the world made to be a better place. And I think when we invest in kids and when we care for children, uh, when we raise up the next generation with hopefully a sense of um, love for neighbor, um, that's what I wanted to do. So I knew that the Middle East, obviously in the West, has a has a reputation and uh, has has some has faced some struggles. So my wife and I, we moved there. We started teaching in a school and we, I taught there uh, as a teacher for seven years. Um, and it was an amazing opportunity to invest in kids and to try to help them work through some of the things that kids need to work through. I think as a teacher, um, you're, it, it's this reminder, you're not just teaching math and science and English, but you're also teaching uh, ethics and morality in some, in some kind of way. And the way in which you do that, for the most part, is you model it. How you how you speak to students, how you um, how you lead a classroom. You're hopefully modeling a sense of love, uh, patience, hope, acceptance, uh, and so that that was a brilliant experience. Through that time, we started pastoring a church as well. That wasn't why we went there, but uh, started pastoring a beautiful community there. Uh, and again, this this sense that um, you know, as as all of us, we have the capacity to make things better by investing in our neighborhoods, by loving others, by using the skills and the gifts that we have. Um, and living in, living in the Middle East for so long, it gave me an opportunity to do that. It's a very different environment because it's a very sort of religiously dominated environment uh, and quite structured um, and quite racially hierarchical. So um, you get a lot of people working from other countries who are sort of 
uh, hired to just do one job within one sector. So you might have a lot of Bangladeshi people just doing one job in one area. You might have people from um, South Africa doing a different job. So it was really a structured society in that way. And, you know, you're born and whatever religion you have when you're born, that's your religion that you keep that for life and you can't really change. So it was it was an interesting experience. But what it did allow me to do is travel quite a bit. So my first time going to Kenya um, was when I was living in the Middle East. And then that's also where I got to know Bethany kids. And just seeing an organization like that, is, as you described, it, it's one of these organizations that is hum it strikes me as humble. And I think that represents all the, the staff that I've met. There's a humility and a grace, uh, not a desire to be known, but to just do the work and try to save lives. And I, and I get the sense, even as I return to North America, um, there does feel like the sense that a lot of people want to be known. And, and at a, an individual level, I get it. Like we all want to be known and have someone know our name and our birthday and feel special. But there's a real desire for fame and, and status. But what I perceive in all the staff of men and Bethany kids is it's the opposite. There's this like um, I, I heard it once described with with Jesus. We're not climbing the ladder up towards fame, but we're climbing the ladder down towards his people. And there's a sense of making sure we are situated with those on the margins and all of the staff that I've met. And that includes David, who's on this uh, podcast right now. Um, people are humble grace-filled and uh for me it's been a pleasure working with them wow that's so cool i love how you said you know climbing the ladder down that is so cool because I, i yeah that is uh servant leadership really mm. showcased that way um david tell us a little about the experience I, i think i was reading somewhere on the website that you have been with bethany kids for like 15 years Um, tell us a little bit about the process. Like, first of all, I don't know if, you know, you, you want to speak about it, but why focus on kids, right? I was, I mean, I read on the website a little bit, you know, a kid has, you know, all these opportunities before him and stuff like that, but why focus on, on kids? Well, I think it represents the heart of the, uh, the vision bearer, the founder, Dr. Bransford, because, Uh, in in Kenya, uh, in the years that Bethany Kids started, we actually started before uh, 2004 when we are officially registered. We started in 1997 um, as, as an organization that dealt with all types of surgical conditions. And the need was a lot for children. So adults usually can take care of themselves. Uh, Uh, most of them can, and if they don't, they can't, they know how to ask for help, but uh, kids don't, and uh, uh, the focus of the kids that we take care of are kids that are born with a condition that no one really understands. So the kids that come to us, uh, from the point that they come into the earth, the parents are faced with confusion, they don't know what to do, and uh, there's no hope, and And, and the vision bearer, Dr. Bransford, at that time saw that there was a huge need and he saw that these children with a simple surgery, uh, their lives could be changed. And that's what motivated him to that. And I think his focus stayed with the children because when once you're an adult 
usually you can take care of yourself. But mm-hmm. in terms of the work that we do, we do focus our intervention on children, but then once we've uh, started the journey with someone, we stay with them lifelong. So we have mm-hmm. we care for t- kids until uh, they're much, much older. So we have within our programs kids that are over 20 uh, and others that are young young people who are just doing things in the world, doing things in Kenya. Mm. So it's it's that's the heart of the vision bearer is where it came from, and wow. and we would yeah, just to talk about uh, when when you asked about uh, the humility and who's more important, uh, Dr. Bransford, uh, the founder, he usually would tell us as staff, he would present a case. So we were in the either in the theater or in the ward. And he would, there would be doctors, therapists, administrators, and he would ask, who is the most important person in this room? And, and everyone would give their thoughts. Uh, and his answer was always uh, the client, the patient. So it's not about us being known. It's about how we can help the, the child that's on the table, uh, on the bed, and uh, that has come to us for care. Wow, that's so cool. Um, why... And- well, tell me a little bit about the challenge of of children with disabilities and surgical conditions. Is that, I mean, is is that different in in Africa or in Kenya or in these six countries that you guys are working with? Is it very different than than something like in North America, or is it similar, or are there more cases there, or are, is there less? Um, care like what's going on with um, why do these kids have these conditions is there any knowledge of that um, mm. either David or Peter I think David you could probably yes. lead so, us so first um, our health system um, is much younger uh, than the health systems in North America and Europe uh, so that means there's a lot that's being developed and one thing that uh, represents that is the number of uh, caregivers and uh, professionals like uh, doctors and specialists. So our numbers are very, very low compared to North America and Europe and even some parts of Asia. Uh, and that contributes to, to such things. Um, also issues of diet and, and some things that just uh, have some genetic uh, implications to them. And that leads to some conditions be, being more prevalent in such areas. But the main reason why, uh, why we have uh, the numbers and the need that is there for us is usually the level of health uh, care, uh, which uh, I can say we've, go, we've, we've gone in leaps and strides and we are at a better, better level than we were uh, 20 years ago, 15 years ago when Bethany Kids was beginning. Uh, but that that is the main main focus. The healthcare uh, level is a bit lower, and the accessibility uh, of of that healthcare to people from different areas is also um, much lower than than it would be in North America. Because our people are scattered across the country, and some areas are very very rural. So uh, when you're when a child is born with a condition that no one knows about, uh, the first thought in the community is that this is a curse uh, and it's someone's uh, fault. And uh, in some communities, this child should be killed, should be destroyed. And that's, that's, that's true of one of our staff, a very important part of our team, a lady called Francisca. Uh, when she was born, she was born with a condition called spina bifida and her family uh, 
wanted to uh, to kill her uh, because that's what the culture dictates. Uh, this is an abomination. This is something that should not be in our family. It's a curse, and so we should eliminate it. And so that those cultural things uh, just come into play, uh, and uh, the fear that the parents have means they don't even try to access care. They lock up the child or hide the child, and 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 such things. They present a scenario where care doesn't come early enough. Uh, and so disability results from that, and 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 that's the main with with uh, healthcare being so hard to access, and maybe at a level that is not the same as other parts of the world. Uh, the numbers now just keep piling up, and you get get even more complicated conditions. Mm. Wow! And how? Tell me a little bit about the process of expanding to other countries i mean how did that happen was it uh the founder you said his name was his last name was bradford or something like that bransford bransford, bransford. richard bransford was he i mean how how did it expand to six countries because i mean that's big influence and that's mm. i mean it shows such a big heart and such a big um caring for people that you know It started in Kenya, but it's, oh, wow, it's not only Kenya. Tell me a little bit about the other countries where Bethany is making an impact. I think um, it's at some point there's this pivot where you say, it's wonderful to serve the child in front of me, and that's an amazing opportunity. But what does it look like to now train surgeons uh, and then have those surgeons return to their home country? And that was the, the pivot. That was a change, which I'm sure David could speak more to. But... Mm -hmm. When that happened, we started recruiting uh, medical professionals from all over Africa and saying, listen, we will train you in our pediatrics program and you can stay here in the Kajabe hospital area, uh, train with our experts and kind of shifting this model away from the kind of old school missionary model to saying, let's, let's actually train and develop people from their local countries so that they can return to those countries. So what's happened is as someone has finished our program, Um, they obviously can go wherever they want. No, nobody's held captive. But we really encourage people to say, if you're willing to go to your home country, if you're willing to continue to serve the least of the least, rather than uh, working in an expensive, rich hospital for only wealthy patients, if you're willing to work in a, a government hospital or a mission hospital or somewhere where you are carving out space, space for the marginalized, that we want to be able to uh, continue to top up your salary so you're given a fair living wage. And uh, we were going to cover as many patients as we can. So the other five countries outside of Kenya really exist because of the work David and his team have done, because now all of those surgeons are people who trained in Kenya with us. Uh, and then they kind of grow from there. So you might hire a physiotherapist or something um, or a social worker or whatever staff member But in every case, it starts with um, not a Westerner. Of the other five countries, there has been no sort of full-time Westerner. It's been a local person returning to their home country after training in Kenya. And then mm -hmm. us as a team trying to resource them, trying to give them uh, continuing education programs, conferences, uh, and then, of course, uh, financial support. Wow. That that is so cool. It's uh, like you said. It's it's uh, 
well, there's a pivot in the missional approach, right? It's mm. not like, okay, here's the Western uh, medical team trying to fix the problems somewhere else mm. in the world. It's, no, no, you can help too yeah. where you come from, right? It's like, no, I don't know, me coming back to Mexico and <laughs> fixing right. things there. That's so cool. Right. Yeah. There's something, David and I were talking about this yesterday, but in a season like COVID, this model, I think, is far more resilient. So say, for example, my mm. medical program was to, to hire Western doctors and send them across the world. Um, obviously, that's an expensive model. But in the midst of COVID, what we're seeing is a lot of those kind of medical trips have been canceled from other organizations. A lot of people who may be served internationally return to their home countries. But in our model, people are home. Uh, David's home. Uh, our other surgeons are home. They're working in their home countries. And my sense is that has made us much more resilient because we didn't have to cancel all the programs. We just were able to adapt, I think, a lot more uh, quickly uh, in local contexts. Yeah, I think you're at the... Wow, this is so cool because you're almost like at the forefront of a very different missional approach that it's... Well, in, in my words or you know, what I'm getting from you guys, it's almost like way more sustainable than, than previous models. So mm. that, is, that is amazing. Tell me a little bit about maybe, David, the process of, of just getting a kid into the hospital. Like, how did you guys find out you know, who to help? Can anyone just knock on the door and say, you know, I need help? Or how does that work? Uh, how do you decide, you know, we're going to focus our attention on this need right here. Okay, well, anyone can uh, can knock on our doors and, and ask if we can help. Um, the way people know about us is because of the many years that we've worked here. We've had to form networks with uh, different organizations. So I mentioned a team that travels across the country to follow up uh, the children that uh, that have received surgical care from us because some of the conditions that we follow up on need lifelong care. So our team travels to different places and sees the patient. So in those places, we are hosted by either churches, uh, rehabilitation centers, um, just uh, people, individuals, um, government facilities, hospitals. And with those people knowing about us, um, they are able to send the word out uh, to their communities that if you have a child who has uh, a unique condition, uh, we have this team coming over to, to, to see children and you can bring the child there. And when they come, uh, they, they might get help. And so when our team sees them, they refer them to, to us here. Uh, but most people just know the Kijabi name, uh, know that Bethany Kids does, does something special for children with surgical conditions and so they just uh, when someone is born and someone knows like a healthcare worker or delivery the uh, a delivery nurse uh, knows about Bethany kids they'll tell them and when they come here they'll meet our social worker who uh, meets them gets to know the condition and uh, uh, makes sure that they are seen by one of our surgeons on a clinic and then from there, now they engage them and tell them, yes, this we can help. Yes, no, this one we can't help. Let's refer them here. Uh, but most of them with any surgical conditions that are not to do with bones, we are able to help. Yeah. And how is the, 
I mean, because here on 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 the website, and really your mission is to provide almost like a holistic care where you're you've also um, there's a spiritual component to to helping these kids, right? And I wonder if you, you know if you could tell a story maybe of how the process of a kid. You know, getting the medical attention that he needs, but how is that later on maybe transforming into, into, I don't know, just helping them see God in a different way maybe that they haven't known before, right? Mm -hmm. is, is there anything like that? Have you seen anything like that happen? M many times. Um, so the way our, our system works is as soon as a patient uh, comes to our facility, uh, they have access to a lot of information about uh, uh, the faith that we have and our belief. And, and that is also with the advantage that in Africa, we still have lots of freedom about uh, sharing your faith. Mm. And so when they come in, uh, even when they're in their waiting area, they might get a chance to hear from one of our chaplains um, uh, the Word of God, and if they are admitted and they go to our ward, every one of them will get uh, to meet with our chaplain. And usually, what uh, what what they do, we we have two chaplains here in Kijabi. What they do is uh, they meet every patient and uh, just uh, just ask them simple questions: how they are doing, uh, uh, whether they are comfortable, and. Um, what they feel uh, about what they're facing and uh, whether they have any fear in their heart. Most of them do. And what, whether they have hope in their heart for their child. And through that, conversations begin where we can share uh, and talk about our faith. And, and, and when they hear why we do this, because we don't do it for our own glory, um, and they hear why we do it and how we do it, uh, because we've had uh, people... Like yesterday or two days ago, um, I forwarded an email that came from Peter. Someone wrote to our, our website uh, telling us that they had a child that needed care. Uh, and so we forwarded it to our, our social worker and they contacted them and the patient came uh, yesterday, Wednesday, for the clinic. And today they wrote back saying that our doctors treated them so differently. And mm. it, it was such a different experience. And, and from there, the questions now come, why are you so different from other facilities and that's where we share our faith and we are happy because through this uh, many have come to uh, confess uh, uh, and make a commitment to Christ and 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 we've we've done lots of follow-up with many that have come here and we try and connect them to a local church uh, that is close to them so that they can uh, have some uh, spiritual growth that is mm. so cool. What what are I don't know if you guys are familiar or not with the the statistics or the numbers of you know, Christianity in Africa or in Kenya. I mean, is is I have no idea. You know, is, is Christianity a big thing? Is it not? Is it is it hard? Is it uh, no? Do you, do you guys know anything about that? Is there any numbers? <laughs> In Kenya, we say we are 80% Christian, and uh, that's for a population of around 46 million. <laughs> so uh, wow. we are very, very Christian as in, in, our, uh, in the, the way we project ourselves. Of course, uh, there are many levels to how that is uh, presented. 
and mm -hmm. we face many challenges on interpreting what Christianity really is because uh, we sadly have uh, alarming levels of corruption in government and in other areas. So, and and you can see that in our media if you just look at any of our papers, and you'll you'll see things that don't really represent what we say as eighty percent Christian. Mm -hmm. Uh, but those are the numbers, 80% Christian. Wow. Was, has that been for a long time or w was it, you know, what was the, like the former faith in Kenya? Yeah. Oh. That's, that's been the general balance uh, for many, many years. So we've had 80% Christian, I'd say around 10 to 15% uh, Muslim, and then all other faiths grouped up in that, the rest of the 5%. And that's been been the the, the general uh, spread. Uh, we have seen um, growth in numbers of those who profess the Islamic faith, and and so. But that's the general pattern within our country. Um, mostly Christian, then a, a good portion uh, Muslim, and then the rest are just. Uh, wow. All these other little, many faiths mixed together. Yeah. Sorry for saying little. <laughs> no, it's so, it's so interesting because no, my my connection to Africa is you, David. Like right here, <laughs> right now. That's all I know Ooh. about Africa. <laughs> I feel the weight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So everything you're saying right now represents a whole continent. A whole continent <laughs> with one whole continent. Yeah. Uh, no pressure, David. No pressure. No pressure. No pressure. Okay. Yeah. What are some of the like the current challenges that Bethany is facing right now? Is there anything mm -hmm. in particular that oh you know we this is our focus for the next few years mm -hmm. um, or or current you know in the next year or with COVID you know mm -hmm. we have experienced this and we really need mm -hmm. to tackle it or a new challenge that wasn't there before? What is something that you guys are currently facing maybe? I know that uh, you mentioned earlier about this desire that we have to, to really offer this holistic care. And in some of our countries where we're newer, where we've just started, we just have a singular surgeon. Um, mm. And there's a lot for that surgeon to carry, right? You know, there's not a well-developed physio program or wheelchair program like what we have in Kenya. Uh, our hope or one of our hopes is to really see that each of those countries start to be strengthened in their uh, in their teams. And of course, that takes money, but that also takes strategic planning. So we're looking at expanding our work right now within Ethiopia. That's a place we've been working for many years. And we feel like we're doing great work. But sometimes in order to continue to offer the level of care that we know we are called to offer, uh, we need to hire people like physiotherapists, people like wheelchair technicians, Uh, so we are in conversations with a couple of our different teams in different countries to see if we can't um, bring a bigger team around them. Let me give you one example. Sierra Leone, we have the only pediatric surgeon in the country is our Bethany Kids trained pediatric surgeon. That, that is, so they carry a lot of weight. Uh, and in the, in the ward in which they work, uh, this year, two people in their ward, two surgeons, one, well, one surgeon, one surgical resident has died due to COVID. And this is the same ward in which uh, lost uh, surgeons due to Ebola not that long ago. So we have surgeons working in some of these areas and they just carry so much. The, the image that David painting is carrying an entire sort of cultural identity on one shoulder, that this is the kind of image that I get from some of our surgeons where they're working tirelessly, um, but, but it's not easy. 
So, so my hope, and I know the, the hope of Bethany Kids, is that we can learn from some of what's been happening in Kenya under David's leadership there, and we could see, well, what does it look like to, to develop mobile clinics, uh, physio programs, uh, wheelchair programs? Because uh, among the many things that, to me, are exciting about Bethany Kids, if, if you talk to David's team about the assistive technology in the wheelchair, I mean, there's innovation and excitement, and they are doing incredible things, which absolutely wonderful. And to me, I want to see those best practices that we can have one country how do we learn from them and make sure that we can resource our other countries beyond surgical intervention to include uh, long-term holistic care? Wow, so good. David, is, what are the similarities between, between these six countries in, in Africa? I mean, is language a barrier? Is language common? Does, does everybody have to speak English so you can talk to each other? Like, what is the... What are the similarities with, with these countries? Do people speak the same, con the same language in, in Africa? Like, I have no idea, so I'm, <laughs> I'm so, no, so ignorant, but just could you give yeah. me some, some light on that? No, all, well, all, all, all African countries are very, very unique, um, and, and, and unique in, as they are as countries, but then also if you break them down, uh, because like a country like Kenya, we have so many, over 40 Uh, ethnic groupings, and that's the same uh, you'll find in other countries. I think uh, Tanzania has, uh, our neighbor Tanzania has more than 60, and, and that's what you'll find. So uh, in, in the, Kenya is very different from Ethiopia, uh, very different in culture, even uh, the, the way people present themselves. Um, it's very, they speak, uh, Ethiopia speaks English, uh, they It's, it's one of the functional languages, like, just like Kenya. So that makes it a bit easier to interact. Uh, but then there are levels to how, how the English is applied. So even when those surgeons come here, they're, they're always uh, trying to either overcome barriers of accent and such things. We have trainees uh, who've come from Cameroon, which uh, is split uh, in the middle between... French-speaking and English-speaking uh, people, just like Canada. Um, <laughs> we have Sierra Leone, which uh, is a lot of French also is spoken there. Um, and, and Uganda, which is our neighbor, is very similar to us in, in terms of uh, the language. And so we are able to connect a bit more. But all the six countries are very, very unique. I think mm. what, what connects us uh, most is the need Uh, because in all six countries, uh, the number of specialists who can do the procedures that are needed for these children are very low. And uh, the specialists that are there are probably concentrated in the main capital city. So those out in the rural areas don't get access to that care. And then uh, the cost of care is usually a bit uh, 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 hard to access for people from different uh, sides of the country. And so uh, the need is what connects us, is what makes us uh, almost similar. But in terms of ethnic, um, um, uh, the way we are grouped together as communities, we are very, very, very different, even in culture. And it's always a, a very unique experience for me when I'm interacting with someone from Ethiopia or Madagascar or mm. Sierra Leone or Uganda. 
it's always uh, a very unique unique experience and so even mm. for the surgeons when they come here they learn uh, 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 interaction of culture and they teach us a lot of things about their own culture mm. wow that's so cool that must be such a like an awesome experience uh, to be able to be a part of something like that is is there a I don't know, like sometimes, like for example, when I was younger, I used to participate in like these short-term mission trips mm. and it was actually back in my, not my hometown, but outside of my hometown, there's a lake and there was a missionary base. So there were teams coming from Canada and the U.S. and then we would go to towns and and do skits you know, and talk to people and do all kinds of stuff um, you know, to share our faith. But I, I'm just curious to know, you know, is there is there something like that with Bethany Kids where people from you know from from the U.S., from Canada, from like all these other places can come and experience uh, or be a part of something like this or be some sort of help in any way? Is is the, is that a program? Is that or, or is that not related at all to what you guys do? Or is is I there think, something yeah, like that? Yeah, there's two two that I can think of. And and first of all, again, to restate. Our priority is to make sure we're resourcing local people. So we definitely want to avoid sending in teams that would just take away work from someone who's local. Um, that said, uh, we often have medical professionals or experts in their fields come to offer um, innovation and insight to our teams. So our wheelchair technicians, they're constantly collaborating and working with uh, folks outside of Kenya who are on the leading edge of wheelchair technology. Um, we will often have um, pediatric surgeons from the West, maybe will come and help uh, with teaching or helping to, again, share best practices. But we always want to make sure there's a sense of we are all people and there, we don't want to have that kind of colonial model of mm -hmm. one person knowing everything and, and pretending that they're going to share it, but rather it's collaboration and partnership. So on one, on one level, we have Uh, medical professionals coming over to to assist and to train. The other group, and this will be a newer program, uh, but we've just started really uh, engaging a broad range of ambassadors. So we have this growing collective of ambassadors, people who are uh, pastors and artists and influencers from around the world uh, who uh, they're kind of offering to lend us their voice and, and speak on our behalf and try to tell our stories Uh, and, and those people over the next couple of years, we're looking to, to bring some of those folks so that they can see firsthand with their eyes and their cameras and they can, they can meet some of the people that David's just described. Because I know that some of our funders are exactly uh, better what you've described, where they're like, Africa, I don't know. It's, um, mm -hmm. you know, that there is a lack of awareness. And even when you hear kind of in the media in North America, you hear Africa described as like one country with one language and one cultural experience, right? Yeah. And as David said, even within Kenya, you have 40 ethnicities. And we're not even talking about foreigners coming in. We're, we're talking about local mm -hmm. people who've lived on the land for centuries. And that is their, their language group, their ethnicity. So our hope is that we can uh, equip some of these ambassadors to come for the sake of learning so they can learn from David and the team there. They can see what's happening. They can talk to some of the kids. And then they can take those stories back to um, to their home countries, wherever they might be. Uh, and those ambassadors thus far, we've been seeing a few new ambassadors every month over the course of the summer. And they represent a range of different countries. So they would be taking 
our stories and the stories of these children uh, back to their home country. So it's two types of uh, mission kind of experiences uh, or travel opportunities. But, but we're aware that, you know, mission trips historically have been um, sometimes a, a bit complicated in terms of their impact. Uh, so what we're what we're trying to measure is uh, what's the purpose of your trip? You, if you're going to come to Kenya and spend money, what's the point? Uh, it, maybe it's because you have a specific skill you need to share that we are in need of. And we're going to have to let David and his team at a local level make those decisions to say, well, yes, we need someone who's got a specialist in pediatric burns. And we need that person to come and kind of convey some knowledge. OK, that's one type of person who might come. Or a storyteller, uh, a pastor, uh, someone who can can communicate what's happening at a broader level. So, so those are different kinds of people we might invite to to our various sites across Africa. Wow, that is such a cool approach. I love the way you know you 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 really have in mind this picture of like we don't want to colonize, right? We don't want to come and just you know be. I mean, here in America, it would be typical, you know, America come and saves the day, right? Uh, <laughs> but no, you want to really empower the local community um, to maybe resource them and help them out to say, no, you guys have all the potential. You guys have, yeah. a, a, you know, everything it takes. Maybe uh, all you need is a little few resources and right. knowledge. But I mean, you guys are human too. And you have all the capacity right. to be surgeons to be you know, to Absolutely. be the leaders of this team. So it's so amazing it, even even you no know, just meeting you, David and seeing like all that you've done you know, in the last in the last 15 years or more in, since you know, 1997. And just to see your heart, you know, for your for your community and even for your neighboring countries. Mm. That is so awesome that it speaks to, to, well, to me personally, I think to the kingdom of God in a, in mm -hmm. a very tangible way, in a very uh, real way. You know, it's not like you're, you know, you're trying to say, oh, I, I'm just going to share my faith and, you know, here's the Bible. No, you, you really care for the people you focus mm -hmm. on the need and you say, mm -hmm. well, there's more to the need than just the physicality of helping you. you know, there's also the spiritual component to it. You know, because I think we are, as humans, we're not just the body, right? Mm -hmm. We are, we are soul and mind. And mm -hmm. I think when you take care of those holistically, not ignoring one or the other, right? If if you just focus on, oh, I'm going to tell you about God, but you don't focus also on, I'm hurt. Right. I'm mm. physically hurt. I've, I physically mm. have this need. No, you focus on both that. Mm. I think that has a way, way bigger impact. And mm. I'm so excited, you know, to see to see what Bethany has done and where it's going. And maybe I don't know. I feel like this is this is going to impact even the way other ministries work mm. around the world, because you guys have a, such a cool approach to it uh, or is there, is there ministries that are similar to these or do you find yourself like really at a unique spot? Because, I mean, to me, it sounds super unique mm. what you guys are doing. But, I mean, did you learn from somebody else too or have you gotten input from somebody else that, hey, there's a different way to do 
mm. mission and to you know approach like this holistic care the, mm. have you learned from anybody else I, I mean i would hope that we're always learning from other people because if we get to a place where we say you know we've come up with the best system in the world yeah uh, that starts to be pretty narcissistic and uh <laughs> and, and then And then we're no better than anyone else saying, oh, well, yeah, we're the best. You should be like us. <laughs> Our hope, we, we try to have a posture of constantly learning, constantly growing uh, and empowering local people. Because if we, if we take the words of Jesus seriously, and that means that, that we're all brothers here. Not like one's the older brother with more power. No, we're all equal. We're in this kingdom together. And uh, th we live in a very divisive world where people like to pit each other against each other. Um, but we have to get to a place where um, we, we work together and uh, we all have something to bring to the table. And I know other organizations, they have their approach. For us, we always want to learn with, from any organization we can. Uh, I'm sure if you spoke to David, what, what you'd hear about Kenya is that every one of our projects we have done in partnership with other programs as well. Because yeah. for us, this notion of partnership is critical to how we think. For Bethany mm -hmm. Kids, we're really trying to put people first. So there, will, there might be sort of uh, other organizations that are really specialist in uh, infrastructure projects, in well water management projects, in, um, in education. And, and we cannot do our work without those. So mm -hmm. one example um, that I know David was intimately involved with, but there's a, there a school in Kenya And their approach was on teaching kids. And, and the vast majority of those children had uh, varying disabilities that they were living with. Now, we offered to partner with them. We didn't say, listen, we're going to teach math from now on. We're going to teach the English. No, there are other NGOs doing their thing. What we want to do is say, uh, we're, our focus is on the medical needs of children. And if you have children with medical needs, Can we partner? Can we help take care of the kids in which that, that you serve? So we do want to always be in relationship and in partnership with other people and never get to a sense where we think that somehow we figured it out because it's at that point we're probably going to stop learning and stop growing. Wow. Mm -hmm. That, that is so cool, man. I love it. Yeah. The, yeah. I, I want to be constantly learning and growing So the moment you think you've arrived, it's probably the moment where, you know, you're, you're getting stuck and you're not expanding and growing. Mm. That's so cool. What is, uh, maybe le just tell me like some, um, I mean, you mentioned a little bit about the ambassador program, but is there, is there like a specific goal, you know, in short term or midterm, uh, that you want to see reach from Bethany kids, mm. uh, some you know, some challenges that you want to overcome um right away some like what is your hope or your vision like for the next short-term vision or long i don't know long-term short-term what is the next step for bethany kids what do you well, want to see happen what's your hope i'll let uh, i'll let david speak to kenya specifically but a, a couple specific goals that would be on my my mind number one would be in Ethiopia to develop uh, a stronger program as we register our, com uh, our organization more fully. So over the next six months, we're wanting to see that we have a greater capacity to serve children. And in particular, uh, one of the programs that we're looking to launch more fully is a uh, bowel management program for children who have congenital challenges, who 
uh, have as a result bowel management issues. So number one would be Ethiopia and strengthening our program within long-term holistic care for children in bladder and bowel management. Uh, number two, I would say in, um, in Sierra Leone, uh, looking to bring on uh, some, some physiotherapist or some program to offer uh, more holistic long-term support for children who come to our program. So those would be two non-Kenyan sites that I know are very much on the forefront of our thinking right now, uh, that uh, they're at a strategic turning point where they can, where an investment of money and attention has the capacity to save lives. So those would be two non-Kenyan programs that I could speak to immediately, but I'm sure David could also probably mention some specific goals and uh, hopes for Kenya itself. Uh, so for Kenya, I, 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 there, are, there are many because we are at a growth phase, but there are two that are very close to my heart and uh, that uh, we would want to, and, and even to our team here in Kenya, and we want to see uh, develop. So on the surgical side, um, we, the way our surgery care has developed, um, we have two groups of children that we take care of. Uh, a group uh, that is just that is very focused on neurosurgical conditions, uh, and a group that is just general pediatric. And so, for the neurosurgical conditions, we've had a problem in uh, recruiting and keeping um, a neurosurgeon. So, our hope um, within the next few years is to first have uh, an on-site neurosurgeon. Uh, not just one, but at least two, so that around that we can develop a training program for neurosurgeons, a residency program or a fellowship program that makes uh, it possible for us to churn out uh, neurosurgeons so that that gap is not felt uh, for the next few years and that we are able to fill that very needed gap. Uh, we, By God's grace, we've done so well in the general pediatric surgery training program, and that's the result of all these people working in all the different countries. Um, the second bit is on rehabilitation. Uh, we would want to replicate the training uh, that we do for surgeons. Uh, we'd want to replicate that for therapists. So we'd want a, a postgraduate um, uh, residency or fellowship program uh, that helps us uh, train uh, more therapists here in Kenya and in other African countries and just raise the level of rehabilitation that we do, physiotherapists mm -hmm. or occupational therapy. Awesome. Some very specific goals. I love it. I think ah, just the labor that you guys have done, it's so focused and... And I think maybe that's that's part of the success. And and I love that you guys have just been doing it almost without you know without like seeking your own glory or you know hey we're Bethany kids check us out or whatever. Uh, no, I mean you guys have been grinding and doing an amazing work. I pray that even you know as people listening or people tuning in, um, and if they're part of. Maybe if they live in Kenya, you know, and they, they can be part of this, that they can check it out, you know, that they can go check out uh, BethanyKids.org. Is, is there a better way uh, other than the website? Are there ways for people to try to connect and get plugged mm. into what you guys are doing? If they are, you know, we don't, <laughs> don't just want like the regular, you know, typical teenage 
uh, kid, you know, going on a mission trip. No, we want yeah. people that are specialized, people that really know mm. what they're doing so that they can share their mm. abilities with somebody else and empower the local communities. So is there a, is there a better way for, for people to connect in that way? I think there are, there are a couple of ways we've tried to create for people uh, who maybe they're not the ones needing the surgical intervention. So thinking about people outside of Kenya or outside of Africa, uh, we have a very active Instagram page that we're trying to post some of the stories that are taking place, trying to post updates. So that's been a beautiful place for people to connect. We've, we've met a lot of different people on our Instagram page, uh, Facebook as well. And then we've also, over the last five months, started producing a, a monthly devotional guide. Uh, and this is a free resource for churches and for individuals to say, these stories, you might not be able to go there in person, but um, every month we produce a six-part uh, Bible study guide that, that looks at specific topics. So we just released one uh, yesterday. And, um, and, and the way that these work is we take the stories from from David and from his team and from our other countries. And we, we look at them through the lens of scripture and we try to have like a, a teaching or a Bible study that teaches on a specific topic. Um, like, like prayer this month is on prayer. Um, but not just sort of random invented illustrative material, but rather real stories of real changed lives. So that's something that we've been uh, working on to help people feel connected to the work. Uh, because what we're hoping for is that we would have more than just passive donors. We want to have active participants in the mission. And I don't mean that we have to get on a flight. There are other ways to actively participate. But I hope that people uh, who, who perhaps people listening to this, maybe people who donated to our website, there would be a sense that they are part of it, not just donors. I want to see that everyone who donates it has this sense of like, I am part of Bethany kids. Like I, I am part of the team. Well, what's your job? Well, I'm actually, I, I donate and I, I'd spread the word. That's my job. I'm like volunteers. I want to see that we are, um, we are including a broad range of people that our ambassadors are representing a broad range of voices and that more and more people identify with this cause and say, I am part of it. Right. And, and that's the hope that I would have that, we don't have to go on a trip. That's a very expensive way to be part of it. There are other ways to be part of it starting right now, today, in whatever city, whatever country your listeners are. You can be part of Bethany Kids, join us online, sharing our resources, and donating where that's possible. So cool. There you go. Very tangible ways for people to connect to Bethany Kids. And, you know, go to the website, check it out, BethanyKids.org. Guys, I'm so, um, I don't say trivially, but I'm so blessed to have this conversation. Like, I, I honestly say it with all my heart. You know, this, is, this has been so uh, even eye-opening, even though I right now all I see is you guys. But it's almost like through you, I can see kids being blessed. I can see kids living like different lives i can see hope and all i see right now it's you guys you know but it's like through you i see hope i see lives being changed and i'm so excited so in a sense that's why i'm saying i'm blessed i'm so happy to have had this conversation i wonder 
when David retires and becomes a repairman, <laughs> what yeah. kinds of repairs he's excited about? Uh, mostly woodwork. Uh, <laughs> I like making things with wood. Um, awesome. And also, I like uh, mechanics a little. So nice. I just Car like mechanics? making things. I, I like creating things. Cool. That I have yeah. three kids, and my oldest is 10 years old. And mm -hmm. he loves, you know, putting things together. Like, he loves building Legos and building things. Mm -hmm. And I think he has a little bit of that engineer mind. <laughs> But I love, you yeah. know, even sitting across here and seeing some of the tools back there. Um, yeah. yeah, I love it, man. <laughs> I also, like, here in my studio, I always tell, you know, people that, that come here, yeah, like, I no, I built it. You no, know, I built the wood and stuff. So I'm always proud to say, yeah, I'm a, I'm yeah, a little bit of a handyman too. And like I was saying, you know, sometimes it it works in my works against me because then all these my my wife's <laughs> the friends they all want a little bit of me too. And sometimes I don't have the time. But <laughs> yeah. well, this little side note. <laughs> it's been brilliant because I think people who people like David who love to create. One way to do that is with wood or with um, uh, engines or something. But I think if you look at the the kinds of projects that Bethany Kids is in, has gotten involved with, you can see that element of innovation and creation in there as well. Mm -hmm. Where it's like you never you're always trying to make something new that's going to serve a function, right? Like when you built your studio, you're like, okay, the need is that I need a place to record that control the light, all this, and then you built it, and it feels very tangible. And I, I get the sense that one of the things, and I'll just speak on, on David's behalf for a moment, but one of the things that makes him an incredible leader, and I'm so thrilled that he leads our work in Kenya, is he is the guy that likes to build and fix things. And when you build and fix things, you don't just do it for any reason. You do it for a specific reason. And in the case of Bethany Kids, he's like, how do I build this to serve the needs of these people? So one day when he retires and has an orchard, Uh, and, uh, you know, is mending fences or something and building uh, wooden airplanes for the kids, whatever he's doing. Um, I know that hopefully he'll look back on these days and say, I, I built something incredible as well. Well, it's, it's, I, I can say that it's been a pleasure to work for Bethany. It's the only organization I've ever worked for. I did odd jobs wow. before, but ever since, even after undergraduate, This is the first job I got, and this is where I, I've grown. And what what I enjoy most about Bethany Kids is when I came in, um, I think I saw in the people here, and it's still there, even in in the DNA right now, uh, a desire to to see people uh, as much as possible the way God sees them, and to place. Uh, the value that God has placed in them and not what uh, the human world or society places on people. So it could be a child whose face looks totally different, whose head is so big, uh, but then seeing in that child the, what God saw when he created mm -hmm. that child. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that's what uh, draws me <laughs> and keeps me in Bethany Kids and And that's what I hope to keep in my heart even when I go out there. And so when, you, when I see a piece of wood, I see the potential of it becoming uh, a nice chair with a lot of function. And I'm hoping that I keep uh, that in mind when even I interact with people. And I think that's also the, uh, the, what Christ 
um, in his life and his words uh, showed to us. Um, the kingdom of God was for such as this uh, when he talked. So it's not about age. It's not about uh, your ethnic background. It's not about your height or your stature, how big you are uh, or your color or anything. It's, it, it's, it's something more divine uh, because when God decided that uh, this person should be here, he had a value and he had something that needed to be seen and if we can be part of uh, uh, nurturing that or even just being alongside it it's uh, being blessed by it it's it's just a beautiful thing so cool thanks for sharing now david i think um i have a great great uh i don't know if this this makes sense but i have a great taste in my mouth this has been an amazing <laughs> conversation thank you guys is there any uh maybe one last thought you guys want to share uh you know a positive thought i don't know one last thought you guys would love to share i would just say that there's room at the table like we we are um a small organization and we are we have big hopes to 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 heal children so um in whatever way whoever's listening we need you we can really use your help in whatever skills whatever capacity that you have that makes you unique um there's space for you cool do you want to say anything david oh just to echo those they they we 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 will work with Uh, whoever God brings our way and with the hope that we will see something beautiful develop from mm -hmm. it. So uh, with the work that is that Bethany Kids is doing is just amazing and I'm privileged to be part of it. I'm very humbled and will never forget <laughs> this. So uh, it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing for anyone who wants to be part of something big. That's cool. This yeah. is so cool. I hope one day I can... Maybe go visit you in Kenya. That would be epic. That would Karibu. be a dream come true. <laughs> <laughs> They're in uh, Kijabi. That would be so awesome. So, I don't know. Maybe one day I'll be there and uh, we can do something together. It'd be fun to you know, maybe do some videos or photography or something like that that I you know, could yeah. humbly offer. But thank great. you so much, That's guys. Great. for You're signed up. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much, guys, for your time. Um, either at, what is it now, five, five o'clock there in Kenya? Yes. Cool. Yes. And 10, is it 10 a.m.? I think so, yeah. In Canada? Yeah, just after. Cool. All right. I'm just starting my day here, so. Enjoy wow, it. you guys woke me up so early. <laughs> David's living in the future, so he can tell you that yeah. Thursday was a good day. Yeah. yeah, it's been a great day. <laughs> Tell me what my day is going to be like, man. <laughs> oh, man, it's going to be good. Thank I you, hope. thank you. <laughs> That's so cool, guys. I enjoy this so much. Have a blessed uh, rest of your days and see you guys later. You too. Have Thanks, man. Day. All the best.
thanks for listening to this episode of Christian Podcast. If you liked this episode, share it with friends and family. Make sure you subscribe and leave a positive review wherever you can. You can also visit christianpodcast.com to learn more about our show. Hasta la vista.